The following is a part of the Radio Memphis On Demand service. It originally aired live on Radio Memphis and has been edited for time. The following is a special presentation of Radio Memphis. Yes, it is here on this Saturday, the 12th of October here as uh, we get into the 7 o'clock hour central time. Uh, we are, uh, we're we're going we're gonna to have some fun tonight because our guest this evening is a man who uh, once uh, hitchhiked his way to the Newport Folk Festival in 1967 and learned a song that was rather important to, uh, to a lot of folks. Uh, Keith Sykes is in the studio. Keith, thank you so very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you went. Uh, you went and saw uh, Arlo Guthrie, did you? Well, I didn't go to see Arlo Guthrie. I'd really never heard of him until I got there. <laughs> uh, but uh, he was doing a, what they call a workshop in in the afternoon. All the stars, you know, if you want to call them stars, to me they were stars. They sure. played in the evening, and during the day, uh, people would have these workshops. And Arlo Guthrie, uh, I'd heard. They said this is, you know, as soon as I got there, they said Arlo Guthrie's son. You know, well, of course I knew who that was. And uh, usually 10, 15, 20 people would wind up at these workshops. Well, he yeah. had about 400. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it was just just people everywhere, maybe more than that. I don't know how many he had. It was, it was big. Just a big. sea of people, yeah. Yeah, and he started playing Alice's Restaurant and did the whole thing. It blew my mind. And so when I got back to Memphis later that year, uh, I got the record. The record came out that fall. And I learned the whole thing. And... Uh, and I heard that uh, I was looking for work, so uh, I heard you could get on the, the Holiday Inn circuit. Yeah. And so I went to Phillips' uh, studio to, to, to audition. And I didn't know who this was at the time, but Judd Judge Phillips was the engineer. And uh, so I started playing Alice's Restaurant, and 20 minutes later, I finished. <laughs> and he, he was laughing. He came running out of the control room and says, You've got this much room left on the tape, man. Because <laughs> usually they have a big, one of those big 10 inch reels. Right. And, you know, and people get six, eight songs on there, and he said, "You've got this much room left." I'm, play, I'm making. You're on the radio. I get. Can they see me? Here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can. It's just okay. a couple inches worth of tape left. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. So, and I got the job, and uh, so that uh, the next winter, uh, February, is when I got my first real job, and they flew me to Charleston, South Carolina, and I played downtown at the uh, the Holiday Inn downtown. And for two weeks, and they, you know, get your room and board and transportation and $150 a week. And I said, I like show business. That's a pretty good gig. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So I didn't realize that was not the norm, you know. Still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get there if you can and pay us. No, yeah, right, good. yeah. But anyway, that's how I got started doing, you know, regular shows and stuff. And So you'd spend a week at each hotel and then travel around. They'd just send you to the next one and just... I spent two weeks there and then I didn't work for a while and then they sent me uh, three months in a row to Buffalo, New York. I got so, you. And, and that place it was right the last outskirts of uh, Buffalo Yeah. going towards Niagara Falls it was just the last thing and it was a holiday inn it was just packed every night so they got me a room across the street in a little mom and pop motel because that was their bread and butter you know sure I'm thinking but anyway they still uh, it, it paid well and uh, uh, you know I got to see everybody that stayed there like some, you know see who would be some of the bigger uh, uh, man uh, big Detroit Band, it's uh, like some of the Motown cast. Yeah, yeah, Motown people. Yeah. Uh, the four. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, no, yeah, the four tops. Yeah, the four, four tops. tops. There you go. They stayed there, 
and uh, Ray Charles' band stayed there. You know, people like that would stay, but most of the time I was just playing to people that were just on, in that in that place. Downtown in Charleston was just businessmen through the week. Yeah. And on the weekend, just whoever popped by. and uh, But up there, it was all just vacationers, and, you know, they would just drink, and I'd play, you know, hit songs on the radio. Just regular. So you were a cover act, really? Well, yeah. I mean, I'd be, I was writing songs. Matter of fact, that summer, I wrote some songs that wound up on my first album. And uh, but I wasn't, you know, trying to play them because no one had ever heard them. Right. So anyway, I did that all, the whole summer, and I met a guy named Mark Goldfarb up there, who was a bass player, and he talked me into going into New York City to audition for the College Coffeehouse circuit. And I thought, after playing for all these guys, I thought, College, man, this, <laughs> these guys, they know what they're doing, you know. So yeah, I'll go try to get on that thing. And sure. I played my own songs there and got on and. Uh, it was kind of funny that the, the next day, uh, that was at the Bitter Inn, and I met, they wanted me to come to their office the next day up in Midtown Manhattan, so I went up there. And they asked me who I liked, you know, and I said, well, and I thought I'd throw him a curve. I said, I like Jerry Jeff Walker, because he's got this song on the on the jukebox I played, playing all summer long, and it's called Mr. Bojangles, and now that's my kind of stuff. And he said, you like Jerry Jeff? I said, yeah, I think he's great. You know, so I didn't think anything about it. About an hour later, Jerry Jeff Walker comes walking oh. in because they managed him. They didn't. Oh, tell well, me they that. didn't tell you that. No, yeah. So, <laughs> what a stroke of luck that I'm was. I'm telling you, man. And wow. so uh, Jerry Jeff and I became instant friends, and we still are to this day. And uh, that's great. Oh, cool. Because uh, you've written some stuff for Jerry, haven't you? I've written six six songs. I think he's done so far. Yeah, something like that. But uh, anyway. Uh, it, you know, that's just the kind of thing that I've done my whole my whole deal, you know. Yeah, you never know who you're gonna you know play play in front of or or meet in a hallway somewhere or backstage. And I know your whole career turns just just like that. I encourage you, young people to just if there's ten people or ten thousand, just do what do your thing because you don't know who's out there. Yeah, even if there's ten, there's somebody in there that may know something. That may be the head of Warner Brothers Records. Just yeah. out for a quick drink or something, or just getting away from this regular thing, doing something else, and you just don't know. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I tell I tell young musicians all the time, I said, just be polished, be pro, I don't care what's in the room, do your thing. Be cool to the venue owner, even if the guy's a jerk, you know, just, you know. Be, be, be on time. Be on time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it helps. On both ends. <laughs> it, it helps. Yeah. yeah. Show up when you need to show up and leave when they tell you you're done, you know, because yeah. those people have lives as well. If you happen to be a, you know, a superstar talent, it, they'll find out. You, know, oh, you don't sure. have to tell them. Just That's right. Just do your thing, you know. Throughout your years, of course, you, you, you're a very pro prolific songwriter. Uh, do, do, you, do you find, I guess now, I'm sure throughout your career, would, this answer would have been different throughout throughout the life, but... Do you like performing more than songwriting, or is you get more pleasure out of writing the songs or performing those stuff yourself, or selling them off to a, to another artist, or you know, like if you're writing for Jerry Jeff Walker, for example, are you writing specifically for him, or is it just something that you've written to say, hey, this may be something he might want? I mean, I know there's well, a lot of going most on of here. the time I've tried to write for somebody, it just led to nothing, you know, and so I quit doing that a long time ago. <clears throat> and, and all the songs that I wrote when I first started writing I was just trying to learn how to write and just do I started I didn't I couldn't write songs yet I started writing lyrics in study hall when I was supposed to be studying yeah <laughs> I'd be writing songs and 
I loved Hank Williams back then, and I, curiously, all my songs sort of the melodies sounded eerily familiar to Hank Williams. <laughs> it happens, <laughs> and the words were like not as good as Hank Williams. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's how I got started. And so my senior year, uh, the day after, I got a little money for Christmas, and so the day after Christmas, I went up on Beale Street. It was all pawn shops back in those days. Yeah, and I bought myself a pawn shop guitar. The guy's name was Nathan Novick. And you say his name to people my age who are from or lived in Memphis, and they'll know who he is. But I walked in there, and he says, uh, you know, he'd spit on the floor, and I think, okay, whatever, not used to that. <laughs> what do you want? And I said, well, I'm looking for a guitar, and he says, well, how much money you got? Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's the first question. What do you got? Being a senior in high school and really green, I said, well, I've got twenty dollars. <laughs> and he says, here's a twenty dollar one right here, and so I played a couple of the twenty, and the one that felt good to me, I said, okay, I'll take that. And uh, I started, you know, about six months later, uh, I could play pretty good, or at least, you know, enough to start trying to think about writing songs, but I didn't. I mean, just trying to learn how to learn enough songs to go play and out someplace and that kind of thing. But after a couple of years, I started being able to put words and music together. Right. And uh, that, that, that started working for me, you know. So, so with you, it's always been lyrics first, and then and then melody and, and music, right? Well, that isn't really true, really the way either, um, because sometimes I'll have a musical snippet that just blows my mind, and I'll I'll work out something with that, like a lick or a, maybe a chord progression a that might just, yeah, a little thing. I just call them snippets, you know, snippets. some little thing uh, like that. Yeah, and that will that'll trigger a whole song. And sometimes I'll have a title, then I'll say I'm going to write that song today, and I'll just start trying stuff, you know, just working from that title if I it's impossible for me to write much without a title because uh, the title to me is the roadmap that know? makes sense yeah it's just because you know where you're going if I just start with no title and start playing stuff and it just sort of winds up as a verse or something it's just you know and I just get bored and quit after it, it goes nowhere yeah, yeah. it goes absolutely nowhere but if I have a title even if it's a simple one you know like a very short time that's one of the songs I wrote in Buffalo that wound up being on my first album you know, that was just, I, I was just, I, that, that was started with the lyric. It's easy to see that we've just a very short time. And I thought, wow, I'll just keep going with that. And I just sort of did, you know. So, so just a turn of a phrase or just yeah. a few words together will just prompt an entire song for you. That will, that will happen. <laughs> but uh, sitting around just getting a spark of an idea or something and not knowing a title or not really, it, that really doesn't work for me. And about, uh, in the uh, early 80s, I began to co-write a little bit. I'd always co-written a little bit. I, I can't say I never didn't do it. Right off the bat, early on, uh, before I could, before I was even playing, or I could play a little bit on the guitar, I, I wrote lyrics for a buddy of mine who, who wrote the music. We, I think we got one cut on somebody, but I don't remember who it was. And uh, Tommy Cogbill produced the record and mm -hmm. I didn't know who that was till I'd gone away from Memphis for eight years and moved back and found out he was a great bass player who had recently passed away. Right. And uh, I mean, he played on a lot of great records, a lot of hit records. But uh, really, most of my songs are just me. I, I loved Hank Williams and in my senior year, I found Bob Dylan and so, or my junior year, senior year, somewhere around in there. And Boy, and your life changes. Well, it, yeah. It happens know. with everybody who discovers Bob. It's yeah, like, right. wow, this is, where was this? Oh. Oh, so, yeah. okay. <laughs> this is interesting. And then, you know, it takes a, 
a little while to understand it. You, you're never going to be Bob Dylan, you know. No, well, so you may as well be yourself. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the best advice in, that you can give anybody in show business. That and yeah. you know, be yourself, be original. Uh, you know, don't don't suck. You know, try not to, at least. You know, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Yeah. <laughs> That's the the only other piece of advice I tend to give some of these younger musicians is that uh, you know if you if you can give your audience something they haven't heard or seen before it's a million dollar secret. Yeah. Take it to the bank. The hard part is coming up with something that's never been seen or done before. Exactly. <laughs> you know that's that's just it. And some people have it and some people don't. You know. It's yeah, like Buffett. You know he uh, he he took some a piece of this music piece of that music and and made up this music that's like oh completely original. Yeah into the the rock and roll thing anyway and that's the way it happens you know the beatles just took chuck berry and whoever else and yeah. suddenly and, and they had they just knew chords and loved music in that way and it wound up sounding like them yeah know? oh yeah Ab absolutely that's the way it is well since you're sitting there with a the guitar in your lap we're gonna we're gonna hear from you for a little while tonight uh, we're gonna get to hang out for, for a while we'll hear some more stories and whatnot but how about a song okay there you go It's high time for me to come around Stop beating me up, stop putting me down I'm a pretty good human if I just let myself be Who I am and what I do is okay with me I hope it is with you Can't worry all the time what people think of me It's high time the kind of person that I want me to be I'm through standing on the side acting like my hands are tied it's our time to set my spirit free it's high time yes it's a high time as far as I can see in a high time set my spirit free we all have our cares and woes and our own share of friends and foes and situations to figure some way through yours are yours and mine are mine we all have days that rain or shine and it's high time to thine own self be true it's high time a high time as far as i can see it's high time it's good and high It's our time for you and me. It's our time for you and me. 
That's nice. That's very nice. I hear a little Dylan in that. Just, just a little. You probably hear a little Dylan in everything. <laughs> probably so. You know, there was something about you know those guys, especially you know like 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 Arlo and, and Dylan and you know the late '60s and into the '70s that, they, that where these guys were really beginning to push their way push their way forward, and that the 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 music was very indicative of what was going on politically in the world. You know, there was there there was there was so much going on between Vietnam and then you had the civil rights movement and all the stuff that was going on in this music would as secular as it may have seemed there was a lot going on behind the scenes with this music and I and I'd like to think that we're seeing that now too I mean we're seeing some artists that are stepping out and they're saying hey you know look at what's going on here in the US look at what's going on around the world and did you write in those in those lines did, were you ever keeping an eye on society and say here there's something about this that I need to I need to voice an opinion about I've written a few things, uh, uh, not really topical songs. Uh, I'm, that just never was in my wheelhouse. Yeah. But as far as a spiritual thing or something to uh, make us feel better and more equal and things like that, I've, I've, I've tried to do that because those kind of songs make me feel good. Yeah. And uh, and so I've got a I've got a very few of those, you know. And uh, but but it's just like if. I wrote this song for I gave this song to St. Jude uh, last year and it makes me feel good when I sing it and, and uh, I think uh, we're going to try to do something with that pretty soon yeah. and make it be something uh, not so much about the kids but about the people who donate the money to sure to keep it going to keep it going yeah so you know things like that but I, normally my stuff is I don't know what what it what the you know like I write some I like I like a good uh, you know not a mystery but but one of those songs I don't just uh, I guess uh, what am I just you know uh, uh, the other, the dark side kind of stuff. Well, you know? yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's a whole seeming seeming uh, yeah, underbelly yeah. of every society that's out there, and it's a yeah. it's a fantastic weird world. I know, you know, and I've got a lot of you know, I've my last record, which I failed to bring to you tonight. I'm sorry to say. Oh, that's okay. But um, and it's an EP, and I'm working on the the other half of the EP now, so it's going to be it's, it's songs from a little beach town. And so this, the, those are like trop rock songs, and I like that too. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, so there's just all kinds of stuff, and it rolls around inside this tiny little brain of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's important to find that thing that really kind of turns your crank and stick with it. You know, that, you know if that's yeah. if that's the direction you want to go in, then you got to stick with that if it works. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing I guess I've stuck to the most is just earthy type music. You know, not nothing like. You know, I'm not goth, and I'm not, you know, psychedelic. Wow. Well, you, you just not, shattered my image of you there, yeah, Keith. You know, I'm it? not hard, hard rocker. I mean, it's just, I'm just songs, and I've all, that's my whole thing. I just love songs. I still do. Mm -hmm. Even at my age, I've written songs for more than 50 years, and I just still just, when I hear a song, I heard one the other day on FM 100, of all places, I normally... You know, I listen. To, I listen to radio just such a wide deal. People ask me, "What do you listen to?" I go, "Oh God, <clears throat> yeah. here we go." Yeah, all of it. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, yeah. the whole thing. And uh, 
and I don't know what it is yet because I just heard that one little snippet of, no, I like that. Now, what is it? And they won't play it anymore, of course. You know? <laughs> it's because you just discovered it. Yeah, just because I like it. They won't do it now. It'll be like another All year. The, the old guy figured it out. We can't have that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I still love to hear a song the first time and just go nuts about it. I just yeah. still love it. That's one of my favorite things that happens to me, and you never know when it's going to happen, but when it does, it's just fantastic. It's like opening up a present. You the don't, first you don't know time what's in there. Uh, I met Chris Christopher and up in when I lived in New York I lived in New York five years and uh, I was having dinner one night and this guy came up to me real stringy brown hair and just looked so forlorn he says uh, hello are you Keith Sykes and I said yes and he said I really like your album I said well thank you very much you know and he said well, alright then man uh, good luck and all this stuff and he walked away and I didn't think anything more about it you know a few months later uh, he's, he's playing again and uh in, uh, in Memphis, and, and so I go down to see him. I mean, I found out who he was, and I didn't still know much about him. I was talking to Donnie Fritz, his, what the guy was in his band. He says, I said, what, what's Chris doing? He says, well, he's got the number one song in the country right now with Janis Joplin. <laughs> he's, got, he's been having hits for three or four years yeah. on country radio, and, he's, and I'm going, wow, okay, so that's fantastic. And this guy likes me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a little that's, validation that's right there, yeah. No. But he, found, he, uh, he was in Chicago, and Steve Goodman opened his show, and Chris went up to him, of course, said, man, I really love your stuff. And he said, if you like my stuff, you need to go over here and hear this guy. And he took him over to hear John Prine. Oh, wow. And so they, he brought them both with him to New York. And by this time, I, I met, I well, knew Chris enough to, you know, get in the show and hang out and stuff. And there was a Sunday night, he played a th Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, a little three-night stand at the Bitter Inn, and on Sunday, that wasn't as crowded as, as normally, it was just packed all weekend, but the Sunday was, so there's plenty of room in there. And he got John up to play, and he played Sam Stone, Hello in there, and uh, Donald and Lydia, and I thought to myself, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't beat that. Yeah, well, no, yeah, and yeah. no one else can. No, that's no the one. good thing about it, you know. Yeah. So, since everybody can't beat it, well, I, I guess I won't quit. I'll just keep. I'll just do something here. else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let you guys have that. But yeah. to hear that, you know, that's just an example of like hearing a song the first time, and you just go, "Damn it, man!" You know, there is nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, everything is right with that. As a matter of fact, that's just the best thing I've heard. You know, yeah. and uh, the word just, perfection comes to mind yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's just great when you hear that first the song, and it, you know. It doesn't matter if it's on, produced on the radio or just somebody with a guitar or a piano. You just yeah. know when one is right, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how to do it or anything. I just know when, when somebody well, else... I don't know. I think it's debatable. It sounds like when you're doing it, you're, you've got it down. I mean... <laughs> well, I do what I do, you know. Um, but, you know, no one can listen to their own records, at least people that I think are cool. <laughs> well, you're right. You know, it's it's like if, if, I've, if I've... I don't go back and listen to the things that I've done on this on this station, for sure, you know, or any other project that I may have voiced. It's like, I've, I've already done that. I, yeah, yeah, I just... I, all I hear is, like, just the weirdest things. No wonder that... You know, take dog ears can't hear it, you know? Right. Yeah, and then you beat yourself up over little bitty yeah, things yeah, that yeah. nobody else is going to know about. I'm never going to use that conjunction again. <laughs> <laughs> It was going so well until yeah, that yeah. happened. Yeah, really. Yeah. That know. adjective is just out of here, man. <laughs> oh, why do you people like this stuff? It's awful. <laughs> Those pesky prepositions. <laughs> it's nuts. <clears throat> I'm going to pause here uh, for a few moments, uh, Keith. And, Don't you uh, love pause? That's my favorite button. 
I love it. Pause button is great. Uh, we'll pause here for a moment, and uh, i got to play these spots, and uh, we'll get into some other stuff and hang out with you, and then we'll tell some more stories and, and or lies, is whatever whatever the case may be, and okay. and a song or two as we continue on. Keith Sykes is in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. Those of you that are tuned in through Mark's Facebook Live page can find us over at radio-memphis.com, and uh, you can uh, hear all the fun there. So, uh, so stick around, kids. We'll be back with more right after this here at Radio Memphis. Hey, this is Spud Goodman. I sort of host a radio show, so join me if you would for the Spud Goodman Show, Wednesday nights at 10 Central on Radio Memphis. Keith Sykes has joined us this evening here on a special Saturday night. We appreciate you coming down and hanging out with us, Keith. Thank you. Um, it's it's always it's always interesting to spend some time with songwriters because uh, it, it's a it, it, as an art form, it's one of I think probably one of the only forms of art that when you create something, it it changes, it matures through time. Um, I know songwriters go through that. They, they'll say, you know, I, I will have written a song, and then they'll, you know, they'll they'll say they'll take it out onto the road, they'll play it a bunch, and the, and the song just it has natural changes to it. And then they decide to go ahead and take it in and record it to catch it at that time. And then after that, it still changes again a little bit more and more. Do you find that happens with your music, or is it pretty well locked in from the time that you've written it on the way out the door? I like it to be locked in. Sometimes it changes, you know, because I. I, I I was just telling, uh, saying that the uh, my process in the last ten years or so has been write write a batch of songs and then I'll tweak them through the year. Yeah, you know, and some of them work out where it just it just fall out of nowhere and they just they're just right. It's just amazing. It amazes me when that happens. When I was a kid, that used to happen a lot. Yeah, but it doesn't really happen much anymore. And, and when it does, I'm just I just you know. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the muse came and yes, visited yes. me, and here you go, you sir. You could do that more often if you don't mind. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's usually uh, you know, a real cross between your inspiration and your craft. Yeah. You know, once you learn the thing, you know. Yeah, because you can't force this kind of stuff. You can't just sit down, I don't know, maybe there are those that who do, but sit down at every morning at 9 o'clock with a cup of coffee, and away they go, and they're, and they're writing, and that's what they do. Well, you know, that that happens all the time in Nashville. Uh, people, you know, set up co-writing appointments all the time. And I enjoy that to a point, but uh, I don't really I don't really enjoy it that much. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, but I did it one time. I enjoyed it because I loved the, the input and stuff. Like that. And there's a few writers I still like to write with. When I get a chance to write with those certain writers, I'll, I'll take it. Or if it's someone I find really interesting, I'll take it. But just to, you know, if I was one of those, uh, and I've never really been one of those guys that, in Nashville that, you know, make an appointment, go do it. And there, was a, there was 15 years in my life when I did that sum. But not like they did. Right. You know, because uh, there was 15 years when I was just, when I quit performing for a living. And I just started doing the publishing, writing, and... Uh, and Selling songs and that way, and yeah. And producing, yeah, producing yeah. records. And uh, <clears throat> and so I did I did more of it then than I've ever done. I st the first co-write that I've really got into was Rodney Crowell and I started... He, and he'd been writing co-writing songs. He was interesting to me. I wanted to kind of see what he did. Right. And we got together... And I was used to me writing. I'd just get something going, and it would be it. And, it. and he would start something, and he would just be working on it and working on it and working on it. I kept thinking, well, that's interesting. I don't, he has that much patience. But once you, once you get into there and see what that, that, that's like, it's fun to do that. You know, it's just fun to get them. And when you get it finished, it's like, 
It's funny for me to say this, but it's like museum quality songs. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's this is the way everybody's different. That's the way it works with you. I mean, yeah, yeah. Because I, I like to ask this too: is like, how do you know when it's finished? You know. Well, that, you know, that's the funny thing. I, I ju you just do. I think I know when it's not. Yeah. I know when something's bothering me with it, man. It'll just I'll just it'll keep just, after it till I just. It'll finally, nag on you forever, and you till go, I finally I look at it or listen back and go. I can't find a damn thing wrong with that. And that is a great feeling. <laughs> that That is, yeah. Because you get that nagging little thing like, man, I know I can, that's just not there. No, damn it, man. I just want to fix that. And, and, and I'll keep doing it. I don't care how long it takes. I'll yeah. just keep doing it, you know. Yeah, just you take it to the shop. I drive some people totally nuts like that. I was writing with John Prine on a song one time. <laughs> I sent him my last batch of stuff, and he wrote me back, Stop writing. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I wish I'd have kept that email. Stop writing. Yeah, print that one and frame that, hang that on the wall there. Right there right there over your workspace, you know. Stop writing. Uh, it's, it's the old saying amongst painters and sculptors, you know, it's, it's you know, good art is never finished, it's just abandoned. Yeah. You know, and uh, well, yeah. I've heard music that's been abandoned a few times, and it's like, and for a good reason. For good reason, yes. I got a lot of those. <laughs> Not going to do that anymore. <laughs> that was a mistake. I've established this is wrong. <laughs> well, you know, but but there there's got to be those two that you could go back and and look at it maybe under a different light and maybe take parts of it and and, and twist it around and maybe incorporate it into something else. A lot, a lot of the ones that are clunkers become parts songs for other things. Yeah. And uh, and that's nice to have a little stock of parts or a few lines that you really, really like. John Prine and I started this one song, since I'm talking about John a little bit, but uh, he we had these two lines. Uh, Objects in the mirror may appear nearer than they seem to be. Seven, seven deadly sins swimming in the bottom of the deep blue sea. Right. That, that was the first line, and then said, and then the objects in the mirror. And we were going to write this song, and, and finally, after about you know just a few hours, I said, John, I can't think of anything I can make out of this. And he just kind of looks at me like he does. <laughs> and, uh, and so I said, we, I just, I'm going to have to just start over. I had this title, you know, it's called A Long Monday. Uh -huh. I thought, well, we can get somewhere, but this just doesn't fit in it. So we wound up writing this really cool song. It's been recorded I don't know how many times, not by any big stars, but all these folk singers and just people who learn John Prine's songs around the kitchen table and stuff like that. I mean, there must be 40 or 50 people that have done this song, and, and there's been at least 10 or 15 records, small records of it with it on there. And uh, matter of fact, uh, a guy sent me a version of John doing it on Facebook. I think it was on like uh, Austin City Limits or something. Mm -hmm. And it was, wasn't, uh, I don't know what happened to this service, but it wasn't YouTube and it wasn't anything I was used to seeing. But as soon as it finished playing, another John Prine doing that song. Right. And it did it a couple of times, different live things. And then it went to somebody I'd never heard doing it. And it, and it went on, I swear it went on like 30 times, down to like a man holding his daughter's 12 and she's singing it at the kitchen table, you know. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I should learn this song. <laughs> <laughs> if all these people like it so much. And you and you co-wrote it, for God's sake. I know. <laughs> maybe, so, maybe add oh, that to God. the library a little bit, you know. Well, well, you want to play it? Oh, I hadn't thought about playing that one. Sure. I mean, it's up he to said, you. I don't, I don't mean I to throw you. In a while, so. I don't want to throw you under the bus there, uh, Keith. I mean. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is great.
back of my memory Like a honeybee Buzzing around a glass of sweet Chablis The radio's on The windows rolled up And my mind's rolled down Headlights shining like silver moons Rolling on the ground We made love Every way love can be made We made time Feel like time could never fade Friday night We both made the guitar hum Saturday made Sunday feel like it would never come It's gonna be a long Monday Sitting all alone on a mountain by a river that has no end It's gonna be a long Monday Stuck like the tick of a clock that's come unwound again to heart, cheek to cheek Come on baby, give me a kiss that'll last all week The thought of you leaving again brings me down The promise of your sweet love brings me around It's gonna be a long Monday Sitting all alone on a mountain by a river that has no end It's gonna be a long Monday Stuck like the tick of a clock That's come unwound Again Seven deadly sins Swimming in the bottom of the deep blue sea Objects in the mirror May appear nearer than they seem to be <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that song at all, man. Nothing at all. That's that's museum quality music, right? There you go. <laughs> if you've got little, you know, little kids that are singing that around the around the kitchen table, then you know maybe you're onto something. Well, you know, John Prine has a wonderful following that he's built up over the years, and uh, and they're just young and old and everywhere in between. Oh yeah. Because his music is timeless, you know, and people recognize that. And to be a part of that in a small way is really fulfilling to me, you know. Because, I, like I say, the first time I heard him, I just thought, my God, where did this guy come from? Right, you know? right. And, I mean, I, I love Chris, Chris's songs, too. But, I mean, this guy just blew my mind. Oh, know? well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he's a, Chris has always been sort of a deep cat. Uh, he was, wasn't he like a custodian at a school somewhere for years and it was writing songs on his lunch break? And, I mean, is that how that happened with him? No, uh, but it's, you're kind of, you're sort of like that. Uh, Chris was a Rhodes Scholar. I did not know that. Yeah, Chris was a Rhodes Scholar. He was a captain in the Army. He's a helicopter pilot. And one day, he, he went to Nashville to check it out one, for a weekend and then decided he'd just move there. Yeah. And, uh, 
and he took anything he could get, and that was at the custodian job. He was a janitor at uh, at uh, Columbia Studios. Oh, okay, all right. And he'd be cleaning up the ashtrays, and people walk by and says, "I got a song." <laughs> <laughs> here, know? here, take a look at you know, this. You know, how, you know how you get a hit song in Nashville? How's that? Waiter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sadly true, but that's, you know, and I because Nashville, I've been there many times myself, and it, it just it just strikes me as this kind of a weird coat and tie, eight to five music town, you know, it's. Well, you know, some of that is true because, you know, the, the artists are never going to be like that. But all the all the nuts and bolts people, all, you know, the musicians and the publishers and the record company people and the accountants and the booking agents and all those people, they're not artists. They just enjoy the music or they just want a good paycheck or whatever they're there for. So it is just a lot of what you would might think were just regular people yeah. doing a regular job because that's what it boils down to. A secretary is a secretary. Sure. But the artists are not... They're they're regular. They're artists, you know. They're going to be up at three o'clock in the morning and getting an idea and waking up and scribbling it down and, and going at, and doing for, it as what that they do, for, yeah. Playing for ten thousand people, at, at, you know, in wherever Newport they, News, yeah, yeah, wherever. And uh, uh, so, but I can see where you would get that impression because you know you see these musicians and songwriters. You'll see them on the street. They just look like you know an accountant or somebody. Well, yeah. But you know, the guy's got ten number ones and all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's, I just enjoy that myself. Oh, sure. I've always enjoyed going to Nashville. It's a, it's a cool town. It's great to see it taking off so much right now. I mean, it's like a national town now. It is, yeah. It's like, it's like Los Angeles East. When I was a kid in school, I lived here, I moved here when I was almost nine years old. And so I was eight, almost a month away from being nine. And the number one record was Great Balls of Fire. Mm-hmm. And the tags, the license plates, were always two dash whatever number it was. Uh-huh. And, uh, no, it was always, yeah, two dash whatever number it was. Is that right? Or is it, was it one? I think it was one dash something, was yeah, it? Yeah, I vaguely remember. And, and Nashville was two or something. Anyway, but I always, I got to where I kind of liked the, that we were uh, two because Nashville was the capital and it was one. Yeah. And then what it was, oh yeah, then they started going by population and we were one dash something. Then they dropped all that completely. But uh, I remember that when I was just a kid. But Nashville is a capital capital town and you know, you go to yeah. Austin and Dallas or Austin and Houston and they're just, matter of fact, Houston and Memphis to me remind me of each other and New Orleans, those those are the towns that sort of are Memphis sure. to me. Sure, sure. But the capital towns like Nashville and Austin, they always have that kind of like funny little vibe, but it's just, you know, I've talked to guys that have left Austin because of that. Yeah, yeah. You I mean, know? it's not for everybody. For it's sure. not. Same thing with Nashville. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's not for everybody. It's sometimes it's just almost too clean or something. I don't know what it is. Memphis is so weird and dirty and gritty, and <laughs> you know, and and there's there's no punch clock here, and it's just a funky town, and there's so much spirit here, though. I mean, that's and I think it's it's like you were talking about. You go to the grocery store, and the guy standing behind you with you know a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk and a dozen eggs has probably got like four or five number one hits somewhere you know you yeah. just don't you don't think about it yeah 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 well and i just you know everywhere you live everybody's got something about the town that they live that they yeah. like and um or that they should have they should move if they don't yeah, that's true but uh i uh i got my wife you know i was going to los angeles damn it 
I just stopped yeah, off in Memphis was... for a week or two just to visit with some friends, and I saw her. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've been here ever since. Yeah, yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> but Memphis has been good to you, though. I, I would oh, imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it was hard. It was hard to get started in Memphis as it is anywhere else. I mean, it's a tough you, town. You can't. You just can't. You know start off at the tip top no matter where you are you know every star you've ever heard of or ever dealt, dealt with or anything else has, has had some very humbling experiences i guarantee it you know if you call yourself a memphis musician you tend to do better outside of memphis yeah yeah and, you know in nashville there's and, and austin it's almost there's just so much music going on you can't make a living playing there that's so true and so at least in memphis i guess there's well there's not really much that you can make a there's either bill street or a couple of other clubs you know yeah and there's musicians here that make a good living and that's because they are just fantastic musicians sure like reba russell and dave smith and people like that they they're just phenomenal and they're going to make they're going to do fine no i don't care where they live oh know? sure but the thing about it is in Nashville and Memphis, it drives me nuts. Like in Nashville, if your session is at 10 o'clock, people are there at a quarter till. By the time 10 o'clock rolls around, it's the first downbeat. Uh huh. If your session is at 10 o'clock in Memphis, <laughs> you can expect to get a call at 10 after from somebody who has a flat. Has a flat, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> or just, oh, I have to drop the kids off. Yeah. You know, it's the, so I do like that about Nashville. Yeah, there's a punctuality. Crazy. To it, yeah. But but you know, <laughs> you know. So but Memphis true. is just Memphis, and that's that's what it is. You know, so. you can't fight it. Memphis is its own time yeah, zone. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we pause, how about another break? Uh, how about another song? Okay. Uh, here's another one no one's ever heard. She was a high flying woman with a lover on each hand. He was just a poor boy singing in the band. She never paid attention when he played her when he sing. But he wanted that woman more than anything. Wanted that woman more than anything. Climb any mountain, swim any shore. That up. Damn it, man. <laughs> then late one night when the place was closing down, he was packing up his stuff and she finally come around. Told him some story about trouble with a man and she was just a poor girl who needs a helping hand. Poor little flower needs a helping hand. Like a woman like that I never did like a woman like that 
yeah, that's nice. You said you said nobody's ever heard that before. It's never been recorded. Yet. <clears throat> a, a guy I'm working with has recorded it. Uh, his name is Connor James. Mm -hmm. He's from down in Louisiana, man. He's got he's got that country voice. He just sounds he just sounds fantastic. Yeah. When he sings these songs, he just he he's killing me, man. He's killing me. <laughs> he's just killing me. He's just killing me. It's so, just too much going on. You know, oh, one more thought about Nashville that occurred to me too was that, and and I know. It's it's hard to be critical about something that sells, but this new country stuff that they're cranking up, they've been doing for years, uh, that poppy country stuff, people either love it or they hate it, and the people that don't like it are rather vocal about it. You know, <laughs> but uh, it sells. I mean, it's hard it's hard to get around that fact. People are people are, a lot of people are tired of that. That's why Chris Stapleson is doing so good. You know, guys like that, the real earthy guys that are just they kind of, they, they, they you know, it's, it's kind of seventies. You know, Marshall Tucker almost yeah. sometimes, but it, yeah. but it's like a hell of a lot better than you know just the stuff like you say the, the the corporate stuff you know and you know there's but that's you know music is just like that I'm I've all in my whole life long there's been songs on the radio I just can't stand and sure. songs on the radio that just make my day and that's just the way it is so I'm just learned to live with that a long time ago well everybody has their 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 likes and dislikes. I mean, you know, I, I sit here and run a radio station with all these songs. I don't particularly care for a lot of them, but I play them because I know that they're good. You know, you play them because they pay you to do it, don't you? Now, just admit it, Mr. Man. I wish that was the case. <laughs> I need to send out some invoices. No, we don't do the payola thing here. I've, I've I, I, look. I've been in this business for thirty-five years. I've seen the payola thing in action. You, got, you really have you? I have, and it's. Uh, uh, I, I I know of one radio personality who went to prison over it. Wow. You know, I, I've heard of, of course, your whole life you hear about it, even if you're not in music business. I've never, I've never really seen it in action, but I guess it's just out there, you know. It's still there. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, the, it, it was made illegal by, by Congress back in the, in the, in the fifties and the sixties. And it still goes on even to this day. Yeah. You know, and it's unfortunate. And even though we're straight internet, there's no law that says that I can't do it. But the problem that I have with it is that you'll have a lot of, you'll have a lot of musicians that have more money than talent that wind up on radio stations, and now stations sound bad because of that. You yeah. Know? And as a, a, the, the other side of the coin is, you've got some really, really talented young musicians out there that don't have a boot to put on yeah. and, and can't get a break. And I would like to see them get a shot at least getting on here. You know, when you're young, uh, you do have to go where... You, you have to live in a company town at least for a while. At least, I mean, I did that not thinking that's what you should. That's what you're supposed to do. But for me, it was New York City. Mm -hmm. You know, for a lot of people, it's Nashville. People, other people, it's L.A. You know, uh, rap music, Atlanta. You know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, what Latin music, Miami. You know, but you, but the ones who seem to really be a part of the business and stay there and make a whole lot, lifelong career usually have spent time at least a few years living in one of the company towns. Sure. And so uh, I just think it's important to do that. And that's another one of the things I, when people ask me, young people say, you know, what, what should I do? I said, well, you know, Memphis is a fantastic place and it's a great town to be from. It's a great town to live in, raise your kids in, do whatever. But if you want to do what you want to do, if, if, if you're a country artist or if you're, you know, I would go to Nashville. If you're a rock and roll artist, I'd go to New York or L.A. You know, mm -hmm. I'd, find, I'd go to the place where the record companies have offices and there's publishers that have offices and they go to work every day. I mean, it's a whole, it really is an industry. Well, sure it is, yeah. If you want to be a part of it, you kind of got to go get in line. It's a punch clock industry like, a, like anything else. Like anything else. Like anything else. I, uh, you, you were talking about living up in New York. Uh, I, I saw that you, uh, that you played on Saturday Night Live at one point. 
I played it there at one point, yes, one one time. <laughs> they said, that's enough for us, mister. <laughs> how, how did that happen? Was it just a... Uh, well, we were doing, you know, shows in the Northeast and uh, in Boston, and this a girl named Liz Welch came out, and we knew she was from Saturday Night Live, and she heard us play, and she recommended us, and we got on. Yeah. That's the way it was. They did a thing that was in 1980, and for... 1980 and 81, they, they had like a, a, an up-and-coming band or artist or somebody in the music business sure. to play their one song. And the, and the regular musical guests would play their two songs that they do. And so when I was there, Aretha Franklin was the regular musical guest. Oh, wow. I was the up-and-coming guy. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I got to play on Saturday Night Live. It was great. Wow. Yeah. Was it truly live? Oh, yeah. You do the show twice. You do it at about, I guess it's... Uh, you know, in six or seven in the, in the evening, you know, and they, the whole place, they, it's a full house, and you play the show, and, and then they, they're still they're, they're still writing. You talking about writing? And those oh, guys, they're right to the last second. Yeah, yeah, they're they're writing, and so so they got run through, and, and everything's timed out at that point, and so they know everything is reasonably set. But then they go cha make some changes, and then you play the show live. Wow. And it's, and it's absolutely live, yeah. At least it used to be. It was just at, at that second you were playing it. You, you say it here and it comes out there. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like this with that monitor over there because yeah. it's about 15 seconds off and it's it's just a natural delay of the internet. But uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it's 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 an odd way to... I'll, I'll, I'll be doing something, I'll walk by and I'll look and I'll go, ah, I just scratched my ass on that did camera. That. I did, you yeah. know, I just did that. It's, it's how bizarre. How about another song from you there, Mr. Sykes? Okay. I'm 
John Kilzer for a while, didn't you? I did. When he when he passed last year, that uh, that that rang a bell. It Lord did. have mercy, that was a big yeah. bell. Yeah, sure and it, uh, it it caught a lot of people by surprise, me included. And and it was it was very sad. Uh, and, and I understood, you know, the the and I, I I knew John myself a time or two, you know, and and listened to some of the stories that he had and and his. Issues with the industry, I guess, is is a good way to put it. But uh, but you got it was you were involved with getting him signed onto Geffen. Is that? Re- yeah, he was the first guy signed uh, to my publishing company uh, on a you know exclusive kind of thing. I, I'd done a few yeah. single song things, but you know John played me a song one time and was at his apartment and his wife says, uh, uh, "John, play Keith that song you wrote." And so he played me this song and said, wow, man, that's a really good song. You got any more? He says, well, not really, you know. I said, well, to get some more songs, let me know. And uh, so a couple, three months later, however long it was, he had some more songs. And just I thought, well, this guy's a real writer. And so uh, I was, I'd, I'd stopped playing, and that was in 86. I wanted to just quit performing. I was just going up this thing and down this thing and all through the ringer and everywhere else. And I was just needing a break, you know. Sure. So I, I, I said, I'm just going to go into the publishing. Well, I, I couldn't afford to do that because I couldn't. The company wasn't making enough money to live on, and so I had two jobs there for a while. I had to play and I'd do the company to get it going. And so I started working with John and uh, was taking his songs around. I got him uh, his first two cuts. Uh, Roseanne Cash cut two of his songs, and uh, on a gold record, he had one song on that one on King's Record Shop. And then I got him a deal. Uh, with Geff- Geffen Records, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we cut the album right there in in, uh, in Ardent, and uh, and I just thought it was a great album, and I thought I thought it was a good, a really good start, not a great album, but a really really good start, four out of five stars or something. Sure, like that, you know? sure, it's a solid record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, oh, me and John Hampton did it. I was a producer, and Hampton did such a great job engineering. I said, "Man, I'm going to cut you in on my producing too," you know. So he he did he did good on that. And John got a lot of work from that album. But just when I thought we were going to get to do the second album, you know, his management wanted us away, and so you know how they do. You know? Yeah. So really, we didn't end well, <laughs> and uh, it was kind of sad for that because we were we were friends years before. I mean, for four years before we ever did anything on, on that level, like say like ten years at least. Right. And uh, and uh, so it was kind of sad on that part, but that's the way things work. You know, it's just business, I guess. But I really wanted to do that second record because I'd learned a lot about what I was doing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and John had learned a lot. Of, I thought about performing and stuff like that because he really wasn't, you know, wasn't a full-time performer. It reminds me of a, a story. Uh, uh, Sam Phillips once said, uh, 
the thing people ask me what I'm most proud of, well, my most proud thing is I never worked with a professional. <laughs> 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 you should be very proud of that. Had a, <laughs> had a truck driver, door-to-door salesman, you know, all this stuff, but no, no professionals. No professionals. Yeah, I just thought that was awesome. <laughs> that's that's. But uh, that's, but Kilzer was a super talent, and I uh, sure hated that he went the way he did. It's way too young, from at least in my mind, and. Uh, it's just uh, not a good thing all around, but that's the way it goes. Yeah, uh, he was doing that really neat thing over at the, one of the churches there. Yeah, and he was, yeah. you know, playing been for doing those. that for a long time, or several years at least. You yeah, know? yeah. Playing for the guys that don't feel comfortable getting out into bars and whatnot, and, and it's a beautiful thing because I know he had his issues as well, and yeah, yeah. and it worked out fine. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, sweet, sweet, sweet guy. Um, and uh, Todd Snyder, you worked with Todd too. Didn't you? Yeah, um, with John, it only took me about. A, 12 or 13 months to get his record deal. It took me three years to get Todd going. Yeah. But, uh, man, he he was, uh, I met him. He, he came to me. My sister-in-law met his dad. She used to work at the, used to be the Hyatt Hotel. Now it's the Hilton or something, the round one. Mm-hmm. You know? And, uh, and she, you know, he was saying, my son this, my son that. He said, well, my brother-in-law's in the music business. And, you know, send him a tape. So this guy sent me a tape. I didn't know who it was, and and I swear I liked all three songs. Well, one of them was, you know, just was you couldn't have it like I can drink any woman pretty. Right. You know, <laughs> great title. And, uh, and, and true. And, and two regular songs, you know. Yeah. And uh, and he came up here and played this place. I just, I mean, it's, I never even heard of this place. I was surprised anybody was there. I know they hadn't heard him much because he hadn't. He just played it, but they were singing along to every song. And I'm doing. What is going on here? And the guy was such a great performer. I mean, it's unbelievable on stage. Just a natural, total natural. And so um, he was the second guy I signed, you know. And and I and I worked with him and worked with him and and finally got him a deal at uh, MCA. Well, through Buffett's thing, Buffett was with MCA, but he had his own regular like Margaritaville records. Right, right. And so I got Todd with with that, and because uh, Buffett and and. Uh, the guy that was heading up the record company just fell in love with, with, with Todd and so that worked really good Todd did did great and he still got one of those careers he could just take a dart throw it at the map of the United States and go play there and sell out whatever room he's doing sure know? sure and, that's, and it really makes that's a great living if you can do that it's awesome you know and is it a matter of, of pairing a young artist or a new artist to the right the right company the right people like Jimmy Buffett and Todd Snyder well or, that was know? a great fit you know, and Jimmy would just, when I found out that Jimmy was moving to, to Nashville and going to do the label there, I just thought, well, I'm going to stop by and see him. And so I just, I took Todd with me one day and we just went in there and Jimmy was there and I called to see if he's in and all that stuff. And they hit it off and uh, Jimmy liked what he heard and, uh, uh, you know, everybody did. They, they all was really wanting it. Because you played with Jimmy for a while, too, didn't you? Yeah, I was in... So you already had a relationship there yeah, with yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. You know, it's like if some guy off the street's going to go, well, oh, well, I can just call him Jimmy myself and go, no, good luck, no. no <laughs> I met Jimmy down in down in Key West. Uh, I was, I've been, I went to Key West. My management office used to have an office down in Miami. Yeah. They did a lot of production. They, they promoted shows down there. And so I just had an open door to go hang anytime I wanted to. They had a little apartment I could just go hang in. Oh, that's nice. And so I, w- I went down to Key West because I always wanted to go to Key West my whole life. You know, it's just one of those places you hear about and you think, oh, that sounds great, you know. Yeah. So I drove down there and drove around and drove back, and that wasn't good enough for me. So the next year when I came down, I said, I want to go down and hang out. 
And Jerry Jeff had moved down there for a few years, and I knew he knew, knew, knew down there, so I called him up. And I didn't get him. I got his girlfriend at the time, and she told me where to go and who to meet. And, and said, if you meet this girl, you're going to meet everybody you need to know in Key West. So I said, great. So I went there. I went to the corner where it was, and big, beautiful conch house, you know. And a guy was sweeping up the courtyard. I said, is Ashley Simmons here? And he says, who wants to know? I went, whoa. Oh, oh my. Well, okay, uh, I'm, I'm Keith Sykes. I'm a friend of Jerry Jeff's, you know, and all this kind of stuff. He said, Keith Sykes, well, I've heard of you. Oh, and Jerry hello. Jeff told me about you. I'm Jimmy Buffett. And I said, wow, I've heard of you too. And, uh, and I mean, he didn't have a record deal or anything at that point. Uh -huh. so, yeah. so, but he'd been on the road with Jerry mm -hmm. Jeff and they were friends. And, uh, and, and when Jerry Jeff and I were on the road one time, I remember telling him about Jimmy Buffett because remember those old signs in the 70s that, that have an arrow on the top of it and you hung the letters on there yeah, and pointed, yeah, in, pointed yeah. you know, had some lights on it. And, it said, and people would go there and say, where's the food? They thought it was a buffet. You know? oh, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy's buffet. Yeah. <laughs> it's crab legs. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's the, anyway, Jerry Jeff told me that story and that's why I remembered Buffett because of that little story. So we met in, in uh, Key West, and uh, come on in. It's one of them, come on in, you know. And I stayed there, and we're going to get up at 8 in the morning and go to Woman Key and hang out all day long. It's going to be great. I said, 8 o'clock? A.M.? <laughs> yeah. You do I eight? stay up for this? They, or they, they, I... they do 8 here, you know. So, oh, well. Uh, that's, yeah. But anyway, I did that, and uh, that's, I met all these people there. There's about six boatloads of people going out to woman key and it's just like you think a little deserted island nothing on just gorgeous yeah just white yeah. beach crystal clear water just amazing yeah and the night before everybody chipped in all these people chipped in and made a barrel of sangria a 30 gallon barrel of sangria oh my god with all this fruit that you don't want really to get down there just fresh everything's oh, sure. great nice wines and stuff and put it in there and put it in the chart room bar to chill overnight and at, uh, at six in the morning, people do stuff at six down there too. The, the the janitor came in and saw this barrel with all this cut up fruit and just dark matter in there and threw oh, all that out. No. You know, and cleaned up. It was the cleanest, beautiful barrel you've ever seen. And so no one had any money for anything much. So they did go get two or three gallon jugs of PGA and some watermelons. And that was the sangria. <laughs> and so by noon, oh by noon, girls were water skiing naked in the ocean. And I said, I like Key West. I like Key West. I think I might could move here. Yeah. This, this Jimmy Buffet guy may have yeah, it going I think on. He's got some going. I thought he seemed like a baseball player or something to me, man. But yeah. turns out he was an awesome songwriter and a hell of a good guy. He's uh, he's still working that thing, isn't he? I mean, he's, uh, man, he, he's he does he's, a lot of shows a year, doesn't he? Uh, I th he used to do forty a year when I was in the when I was in the band. We were doing about seventy five a year. But uh, he does about, I think, he used, to, he used to do 40. I don't know how many they do now. It's yeah. been a long time. I, I don't, I mean, I don't see him hardly ever. I talked to him uh, about a year and a half ago, right before the uh, play came out. I had two songs in the play. Yeah. Now, there's something, I used to tell people, they said, this, <laughs> this is some, these words I never thought would be coming out of my mouth. I've got two tunes on Broadway, <laughs> you know. And, uh, where's that Tony Award at? <laughs> yeah, where's my Tony? Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, but we were talking before that before the show before the, the you know were, they were in rehearsals or in previews when I was talking to him and he was saying I got uh, there, I knew Volcano was going to be in there but he said Coast Marseille that I, I wish I he, Jimmy said I wish I, I wish I could take credit for really being the champion of this song but I didn't have a thing to do with it man the director came to me and says we got to do, we got to have Coast Marseille in there 
And so um, and we were just laughing about that. But anyway, uh, I don't know what we were talking about. Now we're talking about Jimmy's play. Well, well, that's 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 all well and good. How about <laughs> how about a song from you then, there, Keith? Okay. Uh, I knew one when I got here. Let me see. I'm playing all these new songs because you know I don't get to play them anywhere else. So here you go. When I could play them someplace. Are you are you, uh, are you still doing the not performing thing? No, I I, I just. Uh, uh, but I, pl I started playing again in 2001. I did right up till you know last year. I even did last year too. But I started working at Ardent last year. Yeah. And uh, they let me finish. You know, you, your gigs are booked about a year out. Yeah. And I didn't. I just did not want to cancel on these people because they for a year they're doing it, promoting it, and doing all their stuff and getting ready for it. So they didn't say a word about me leaving and going to do all these gigs. And there was lots of them. Yeah. So this year I said I'm just not going to do that. And we didn't book any. I'm doing a very few. Uh, things just enough to keep your hand in it. Well, yeah, just just you know, I'm really not touring as they say, but I'm just I'm working at Ardent right now. Good. All right. Anyway. I like you for the way you are. I don't like me for the way I was. Cause no one ever has to be so hard If I could amend the past I would And be the very best man I could Rather than the one you look back on With no regard Just typical Not remarkable Just a plain old fool The kind that does such harm I could look but could not see How perfect that you were with me When we were walking arm in arm You were the bracelet and the charm Like a movie without much plot Or a song that no one ever sings I laid a lot of useless things there at your door Now I sit inside my mind and pine a drunkard all run out of wine The reality of all the hurt I brought before Just typical Not remarkable Just a plain old fool The kind that does such harm I could look but could not see How beautiful you were with me When we were walking arm in arm you were the bracelet and the charm Oh, oh, oh just a memory Where we used to be Oh, oh, oh yeah, the hell with me Do the hell with me I could look but could not see how perfect that you were with me When we were walking arm in arm You were the bracelet and the charm When we were walking arm in arm You were the bracelet and the charm That's nice. That's very nice. 
You yeah. could have sold that to Simon and Garfunkel in a hurry, I think. <laughs> I'll pitch it to Paul. <laughs> it to Paul. I think he's retired now. Oh, yeah. Know. Oh, shoot. I just missed my Just, just missed it. Just, just, just like just, just one like of those show it. business things. Yeah, I missed it by that much. Ships in the night. Yes. We'll pause. We'll be back with more with Keith Sykes as we begin to wrap it up here on the Saturday night. Don't go away. We'll be back right after this here at Radio Memphis. If you're a musician, have original music, and would like to be considered for promotional play on Radio Memphis, email your studio quality MP3s to music at pirateradiostudios.com. No links, no cloud service boxes, and no sucking. Your music played for promotion right here on Radio Memphis. Here on a Saturday night, we're hanging out with uh, Mr. Keith Sykes. Uh, we were just talking off there about Ardent and, uh, and uh, the, the good stuff that's happening over there. It's uh, such a storied spot. God, everybody and their mother seems to have recorded something out of that out of those one of those studios at some point in time. Yeah, I think their cousins did too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're working over there, and there, uh, there's there's what three studios there, right? There's there's four studios. Four studios. Uh, one is uh, Arden's answer to your home studio. Right. The difference being, uh, you, you get your choice of our microphones, our compressors, our EQs, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's most people don't have a you know fifteen thousand dollar mic laying around their house sure. and stuff like that. Sure. And Arden does just because when they bought them, they didn't cost that much. Right. They were, yeah. But they're old and fantastic. And uh, matter of fact, we just did. Uh, we just went uh, went through all the microphones in the last two three weeks. Uh, Mike Wilson, the engineer, and I did. Mike is a great cat. Yeah, man. And uh, we, we've only had. There's only just a few that we wound up sending off. Uh, we, we, we're going to have our list completed uh, probably Monday. Yeah. And then we'll know what we're sending out to get done on. But man, those we've got. It's just such good gear in there. And, oh my uh, God! Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you can't, you know, you can't duplicate you can, that anywhere. You can, you can sound good at Arden. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care how bad you suck. Come on over, yeah, we'll, we'll mean, make a record. No, you have to sound good. If you sound good, we can make you sound great. There you go. You know? Yeah. But uh, I'm, 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 it's really fun working down there, uh, and uh, most of the time. Yeah. And uh, and I'm think we're just we're just making progress every week, so it's really fun. It seems real slow sometimes because you look for parts for these old consoles. It's like, well, finally in England, yeah. I found solo and cut switches, you know, and and, and we're getting them. And I got a really neat tech working there now, and uh, he's just getting things whipped in shape. We've we've uh, we've just done we've just done some good stuff there. It had a it had a roof issue there for a while, but I'm glad that all that got sorted. Yeah, it's getting sorted. It's 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 uh it's it, that's a it's kind of a sore subject with everybody at Art right now. But it's it's gonna <laughs> sorry be, I brought it up. It's gonna be good. <laughs> you, you don't need an umbrella in the focal booth anymore, right? I I've was been, uh, <laughs> I was I wasn't there when they did the roof, so uh, yeah. But uh, well, I mean, getting it done right now. The the not just the history to it, but just the legacy behind it is you know and people. People, people know Ardent. Yeah. You know, all over the world. All over the world. You know, they come they come to Memphis to get to Ardent. They do. A lot of them do. And Royal, you know. And Royal's oh, another one, yeah. It's great studios, you know. I mean, and uh, <coughs> Memphis Music, MMI, man, that, that's a great place, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, just done a great... That's the, oh, that's the David, David Porter place. Porter, yeah, yeah. He's just done doing a great thing over there. It's really, really cool. And uh, the Phillips Recording Studio just Phillips, went through. A, they're just on fire. They I mean, just they rehabbed just, that whole thing and just yeah, did it nice. Just like a phoenix, man. The last few years, they're just flying high. Great yeah. Grammys and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to see a lot of that is being preserved and taken well, care I, of. And you know, it back it's like a, a rising tide lifts all the boats. All, all, yeah, and so that's kind of like what we're trying to all do. I think everybody in Memphis is working in the business. It's really, really working hard for. 
to do something cool in Memphis, you know. Well, the music scene, from my perspective, uh, running this uh, here at Radio Memphis, uh, we've seen a bit of a renaissance in Memphis music. I think over the past well, five, six years, I think we're seeing more and more really quality people putting out some good good quality material yeah and people that are just that are moving here from other uh, other cities they just like you said being a part of a company town they want to come here to memphis and get close to this and, and be a part of this scene yeah we don't have the companies here we probably never will that's okay if we can do some good music they'll come here they will <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and and uh you know uh, bruno mars had that huge hit that uh mm-hmm. that uh Boo was part of over at, over at the Royal, you yeah. know, and uh, and and that number one for like it seemed like it's going to be the number one till the end of time. Oh, it was there forever. River Road was part partly done in Memphis here, or mm-hmm. one of the writers was is is from here. And there's a lot of cool things like that going on. Um, but at the uh, at the road to the IBC thing the other night, um, I was talking to somebody. They were they had. They went to a show where the Stax kids were, you know, from the Academy were playing. And he said, Rick, i got to tell you, they're phenomenal. These are 14, 15, 16-year-old kids that are Not playing. Not socks off. They're yeah. in, just in, in beyond impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like, this is their future. It's clear what's going on. Heck yeah, man. That's the kind of stuff right there. I mean, that's the stuff right there. Yeah. And, that's, and it makes me feel good about it, that, that this music isn't just going to die off and be done. You know, there's there's still a lot well, of good stuff. Well, you know, the music's going to come and go, but if, if the place can stay and, and we've got that, that history to build on, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a Stax record or a Sun record or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It can be something fresh and new and, and, and right out of Memphis. Sure. When they, when they did Stax, it was fresh and new, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was. So there's no reason that we can't, you know... Do that again. We'll do that more because there's just something about it here. You yeah. Know, there's something good here. So, yeah, you're not missing L.A. all that much anyway, are you? I was going to L.A. <laughs> 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 I've been there many times. I'm sure you have. <laughs> and I've been there since, but... Not that time. <laughs> not that time, I no. did not make it. <laughs> well, you know... Uh, life throws you different uh, different turns along the path, and you've you know you take them and go with them, and you know. That's right. Life gives you lemons, make some squash. Make some squash. Exactly. How about a song? Okay. As long as my heart is beating. Have a coat of love to keep you warm Because love is not a thing that's fleeting It holds you through the sunshine and the storm On broken wings through empty skies And seems like only bad things keep repeating There's one thing you'll always know Whatever punch the world may throw You'll have my love as long as my heart's beating Tonight 
as the world is turning You're the one that I keep turning to Like a light That never will stop burning No matter how much darkness it goes through When it's time to make your stand And if you need a helping hand I'll be there when all others are retreating Whatever fate that may unfold You'll have my love as long as my heart's beating You'll have my love as long As my heart's beating Very nice. That's very, very nice. Uh, since uh, since you're not performing as much, uh, what's what what's what are your, what are your plans in and around Ardent? I mean, outside of that, are you are you doing a lot more writing? Are you are you trying to you know uh, looking for new new talent to to book or what, what's what's your what are you what are you thinking? I'm I'm uh, well I'm I'm going to produce and I'm going to write songs like I'm working with a guy named Connor James, and he came up for two months this summer June June and July and uh, he worked at the studio doing janitorial duties and stuff you know whatever we needed to <laughs> check out my song <laughs> job. and every chance we we got we went into b and b studio and just you know we're not engineers i'm an engineer but i don't know that console very well so we just sort of fumbled around and we, we worked those two months and he'd record these songs and man we would just wind up with some some of them fit him so well yeah so good we know we got something there so he's going to be my country guy and I was looking for a pop girl, but uh, I found this band. Uh, I just stumbled upon this band the other day called Cruising Heavy. Yes. And I fell in love with these I, two girls. And these guys, I mean, they play just I know great. them, yes. Yeah, they're know them, I, Yes, they've been here before. They're wonderful. Well, I'm telling you, I'm hoping to work with them some. I was looking for a, a pop, I wanted a pop girl singer. Yeah. And um, But these guys may fit the bill if I can't find a pop girl singer. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, that's that's kind of what I'm doing. I want to just, uh, you know, Ardent, uh, Ardent is a dinosaur. Everybody, any of those, any of the big time major studios like Ardent, you know, the world class studios, it's they're not, then they're falling like everything because you know, some of them. They just can't, there's, the rental business is so down and music business has changed so much. I mean, no one buys records anymore. They just listen to them. Sure they, they do. Prescription yeah. fee and all this yeah. stuff. So the, the model is so completely different. But back in the 90s, John Fry started doing, you know, put up, made a Christian music label and they sold millions of records and the royalties from that and the big star stuff and all the stuff that they had part of comes in and floats the studio and, and, and makes it stay strong. And so that's my... Part of my thing is I want to do the same thing. I want to sure. put stuff there that'll pay dividends way on way after I'm gone. I mean, I'm I didn't want to work there very long. I'm too old to do it, you know. Or, or I mean, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about what I do, and I want to stay that way. I just don't want to. But I mean, I, I am looking forward to that uh, 
not retirement, but just work when I want to. But, you know, <laughs> that's what I was kind of doing. Yeah. And then uh, my wife works for the owner. As a, as, as she, she's the owner's PA for longer than, you know. And they, they kept asking me to, to come down and work there. And I go, well, you know, things are going so good on the road now. You know, I had a number one trop rock record. had seven weeks at number one, and I'm playing around and doing good and all yeah. this stuff. And this. Yeah. And so finally, I'd hear them on the phone. They'd be talking to one in the morning. They're still talking to two in the morning. I mean, they're just and, and I'd think, I know what you're talking about. I could fix that in two minutes, you know. You guys have talked all night. So I said, finally said, yes. Uh, and so in March of last year, I, I started working there. Yeah. And I've enjoyed it. And I think I'm bringing something. And, and a lot of people call me and say, man, you're the perfect guy for that job. I had my own studio for 13 years, so I kind of know my way around equipment. Yeah. And I know I'm around about different stuff. And just from running bands in all my life, I can I know. And, so, and, and it turns out that I kind of am the best or, or, or one of the best people for that job, you know. Sure. And so that's one reason I've enjoyed it so much and continue to enjoy it. It worked out perfectly for it you. Worked out, worked out good. Yeah. So it's, it's working out good. It is working out Knock good. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, performance, you're not going to be doing quite as much, but you'll you'll do a few. I'm going to go down. John Prine's uh, first uh, festival if it, he's ever done is called the All the Best Fest down in the Dominican Republic in, really? in November. I'm going to do that. Well, that'll be fine. And that'll be fun. And uh, and uh, my writing month is coming up in January, so. I'll do that, and so I'll be out for a whole month in that at that time. And so, I, what is the writing month? What's the, well, what's I just go month? down to Texas. There's a little town down in Texas called Port Aransas. I've been, I've done it ten times. This will be my eleventh time. I've been through Port Aransas quite a few times. Well, there you go. So right I know right what there, you're talking about. Just, right, there just, on the, right there on the beach. Right, just up the beach from Port uh, Corpus. You yeah, know? yeah. And uh, and I, I go. I know a friend who has a, a, a resort down there, and he lets me stay. Well, that's good. He said, "I'll find some place for you." And he does. So you just you spend but just a solid four weeks down there just writing and what right five days a week, chill out a little bit over the weekend, go back to writing out and and it's it's like so good so it's been one of the best things that's happened to me, in this point in my life. I mean, in the last this it's just been wonderful because I can I can lay out all these songs and get almost everything finished on them. I sometimes I think they're finished. I go back and see they're not, but I'll be working on them and I'll work them out as I you know through the year. And so I've got a stockpile of a bunch of songs. Now I've written a screenplay down there. One year I didn't, I didn't write songs, and it felt so funny to go home and not have a sack full of songs. It was really the weirdest thing I've ever done. <laughs> like, I didn't think about it when I was working on the screenplay. Yeah. But man, I got home and said, wow, that's weird. I don't have any new songs. Yeah, but it's still productive, though. Yeah, I it's mean. very productive. And, and, <clears throat> and relaxing. It could be anywhere in the world. It's just that anywhere where I'd... I don't know anybody really except the people, and he works all day, all, all week long. So, don't see them, and I just I just get up and work and do my little thing, and I'm I'm usually done by five or six. I get started, you know, at ten or so in the morning and work work all day long, and uh, it's just been it's been great because I, I just really all I do is concentrate on that, and it's so I really feel like a songwriter again down there. It's really great. That's good. That's a nice it's a nice refreshing change of venue for you. A nice different it's, it's view. Different, you know, you know it, at home is always you know I can do this, but I need to go out and do this one little thing over here before I come back, and it's just, it's just not the same. Oh yeah. Because when it's all you do, it really is cool, you know, and I and I get these good ideas and I can follow through on them. Yeah. That's beautiful. When do you go down there? January and February. January and February. Yeah, yeah. 
It's a good time to not be in Memphis. <laughs> it's an excellent time to not be in Memphis. Because it's cold here in January, is. February. Believe That's... me, I know. <laughs> That's why the IBC happens at the coldest week of the year. Exactly. Yeah, January the 28th, I think, is when it all starts. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the year before last, I left, and it was two yeah. degrees. Two yeah. degrees. Two degrees, yeah. And my heater was out. Oh, no. And so I put my big heavy coat. I take it down to uh, Port A. Because in the mornings I walk every morning. Sure. And uh, and a lot of times it's not so cold, man. The wind sometimes is thirty miles an hour. Oh God, coming yes. Out, coming yeah. off the ocean like that, you go. So I got so I put it over my knees and my feet and stuff, and I had my regular coat on and my gloves on and all that stuff, and I'm trying to get figure out somewhere to get a little heat out of the thing. <laughs> but, uh, so I know all about that stuff. Well, that'll be a, hopefully a good. Uh, um productive uh, month for you here coming up right around the corner. Yeah, coming up pretty soon. Outside of that, I'll be at Ardent. Yeah. And uh, and my whole, you know, I'll line out to, um, you know, my time there and what's doing weeks in advance too because, you know, we've got work on the consoles and this, that, and work and all this. But soon, all that work will be done and we will get to do our, our grand reopening if you want to call it that. Just a hello artist, you know. And to do a little open house thing. Do a little there, open house thing that people know and get some people from around the yeah. country who's recorded there to come in and and um, you know uh, BMI and ASCAP people stuff like sure. that. Just, just get people to come in and see see Arden again, get used to it, and have some record company people there. So you know, remember us. <laughs> when uh, when Rock for Love used to have their open house, they would do it there at Arden, and uh, that was nice. Rock for what? Rock for Love for oh. the, the the benefit for the Church Health Center. Oh, cool. <clears throat> And they would have it there. I think Mike Wilson was the one that was was kind of him and um, uh, Marvin Stockwell from Pez, uh, from, Pez. The, from the from the Punk Act. Okay. They used to do something over there, and they'd have they'd have barbecue out in the parking lot, and they'd have you know tours inside the studio, and yeah. it was just a fine time. It's a yeah. it's a fun it's a fun place. It's a great vibe. In there. We get people from all over the world, and and every week we've have a we have a bunch of uh, of uh, you know tourists to come in just because of the music that's been recorded there and stuff and we joke say well if all else fails we can be a museum yeah. you know <laughs> and, and it makes it it's a really good one you know yeah 10 bucks come in take a look you know right this way right this way t-shirts at the end <laughs> hey look it works for stacks look what they did over there man it, uh, Sun, uh, Sun Studio mm -hmm. just, it's fantastic and the fans love that oh yeah I did a record over there with Nancy Apple uh one time and uh, and so you you can't record you have to record from six eight six p.m. till you know as late as you can go I guess at night because they, they it's a working place they have the tours coming in all the time yeah but you can when you get down when you're just going to be mixing you can stay there and mix and they don't care right and so it's so good like four times a day you see this you know, there's no one there and all of a sudden there's thirty forty people in that little studio. And you know they're they're facing you, and the, <laughs> the, and the, 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 the glass. The, the guy, the host, is is facing them. Uh huh. But every time, you know, they're just sort of milling around. They're looking. They're just you know, they're, the, the host is talking, and the tour guys talking. I guess is what they call them. And when they put on that's all right, Mama. Suddenly, all of them at the same time start grinning and doing this. They're <laughs> nodding their heads to that. You know, <laughs> it's just like it was so funny to see that every time. It was yeah. really, really cool. You know? What's the power of that song? How about that? You know, well, that whole thing. You know, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the Johnny Cash, on and on and on. You know, that, that whole quartet. I mean, Lord, that was a thing. 
Well, you know, what'd you do, Sam? Well, I produced Elvis and Carl Perkins and Johnny Cash and Roy Oberson. Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> Beat that. Yeah. Before we wrap it up, how about one last tune from you? Oh, you talked me into it. Now, you've never heard this one either. I'm just going to play all my new songs. I think it's great. It's great. Got that hair and makeup and the men all turn to see If that amazing cocktail dress would like some company She's used to the attention and gets it by the ton And every single guy out there would love to give her some She's not a faker, a taker, a silly mischief maker A baker, a laker, or in the music biz There is just one lonely adjective that tells it like she is, she's a troublemaker, heartbreaker, and you uh, can't mistake her, she's a troublemaker. It's not so much the way she looks, it's more the way she does. You know she knows she's got it, and she does it just because. And even though I glance around the room like I don't care, she is the one I'm looking at, but I try not to stare. She's not a faker, a taker, a silly mischief maker, a baker, a laker, or in the music biz. There is just one lonely adjective that tells it like she is, she's a troublemaker, heartbreaker, you can't mistake her, she's a of the day when people try to rook me in i don't have much to say i never look for trouble treat people fair and square but if i ever wanted some it is right over there she's not a quaker a shaker a morning coffee maker the raker of an acre or taker of a quiz there's just one lonely adjective that tells it like she is she's a <laughs> I like that. You know, that could go in all sorts of directions. You stick that in front of a rock band or, or a, a, a country I say that, that's, that's one for me. I wrote that one for me. Yeah, well, okay, then keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless somebody makes you an offer you can't refuse. Well, first. then they can have it. <laughs> there is I'm that. not proud or tired. <laughs> Such as it is. KeithSykes.com for more information on uh, on uh, on uh, Mr. Sykes here. Thank you so much for coming in on a Man, Saturday what a, night. What a great two hours. Thank you. I appreciate I it. I gotta so tell much. you, I was so dreading this whole deal. I just knew it was going. No, I'm just kidding. You know, you're not the first. <laughs> no, no, really, I was looking forward to it, and I really appreciate you having me very much. Yeah, best of luck to you over there at Arden, and uh, glad to see that things are going well over there. And uh, keep cranking out the tunes, Keith. I'm gonna try. Very good, Mark. Thank you so very much for making it happen. Yes, sir, Mr. Yeah. Mark. Uh, coming up tomorrow night, uh, 8 p.m., Miss Libby Ray Watson will be here in the studio. That'll be a that'll be a fine time there. We've got some of her music we'll be playing. I guess she's bringing her guitar. 
could be a resonator. It could be... Looks like that ES-335 that she's sporting there. Who knows what she's got, Stella? I want an ES-335. Who knows? Well, come down and take it from her. Okay. <laughs> It'll be a lot of Stolen fun. from an unsuspecting singer or songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she's uh, she's uh, in around doing the uh, uh, the King Biscuit Blues Festival this weekend. So there's a lot of folks that are down around that way, and they're in and around <clears throat> Memphis. So there you go. The proceeding was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated and originally aired live on Radio Memphis. Any offers or advertisement contained may not still be valid. All rights are reserved and copyright is held by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. For more, look for all the RMOD players at radio-memphis.com. <laughs>